right, well, welcome to Region. My name is Sierra. I have a new life in Christ, and I'm in recovery from pride, anger, control, and this week, not resting in the Lord. Hey, Sierra. My name is Chuck. I have a new life in Christ. I'm in recovery, lust, codependency, control, and this week, seeking comfort in the middle of being uncomfortable. Hey, Chuck. Good to see you guys. <laughs> Um, so some of you might remember a few weeks ago, I gave you a sneak peek into a series that we were going to be starting called Emotions. Um, now, for some of you, you hear the word emotions and you're like, I'm out. Like, I don't want to hear anymore. Uh, but what we have just discovered is that while you're in the middle of regeneration, it can be really difficult to process a lot of the emotions that are coming up, good and bad. And so we want to talk about that. And we hope that this series, uh, over the next course of the next few weeks, that you'll hear about different emotions um, and how God's word speaks into all of them because a lot of you are feeling a lot of emotions as you walk through the steps. Um, but I want you to know something is that we are created to be emotional beings. God created us this way um, from the very beginning. But what I have seen and experienced, I know we both experienced we this, is that Christians often see negative emotions, the ones that we would probably label as like bad emotions, we almost feel like they're signs of spiritual failure. Let me give you an example of what I mean by that. Anxiety is proof that maybe you just don't trust God enough. Or maybe grief is failure to rest in God's good purposes for your life. Or maybe when you experience anger, you think, well, this is just plain selfishness. It almost feels like spiritual failure, maybe even some guilt and shame about having that bad feeling. As a result, we think negative emotions are bad, and we think that they should be squashed and repented immediately rather than explored. And honestly, Christians uh, are sometimes uneasy with even positive emotions. I know I can for sure be. Happiness is an emotion that we say a lot in culture and in today, like, are you happy? But when we see it as a Christian, sometimes we can think happiness must be uh, this fear of that I've loved the gift too much and not the gift giver, hmm. talking about God. And so I, I shouldn't be experiencing this happiness. Or maybe a sense of accomplishment or satisfaction over a job well done, that might be a cover-up for pride. Or maybe you're taking credit for something for which we were only instruments in God's plan. If you feel good for too long, it could mean that maybe you're selfish and you aren't in tune with the needs of those around you. It seems like Christians just can't seem to get it right, no matter how they feel. Do you ever feel that way? I know I do. When I was reading through this and we were preparing for this, we just felt so deeply, man, it feels like we can't win with emotions. But I think God's word speaks to this, and so that's what we're going to kind of unpack today. The way that you respond to your emotions, including how you feel about how you feel, is of vital importance to your relationship with God and with others. Our emotions are commonly misunderstood opportunities in our lives, but really they're an opportunity to grow in maturity and love. And they have the power to deeply enrich our relationships or on the opposite side, drive wedges into them. So let's double down there and kind of talk about yes. that a second. So one of the terms that we hear a lot is emotional intelligence. So emotional intelligence is defined as the ability to recognize and understand your emotions in yourself and in others, and your ability to use this awareness to manage your behavior and your relationships. Now, you don't have to be a Christian to see the need for emotional intelligence or to develop it for that matter. However, 
Emotional maturity takes us deeper. Our new life in Christ should transform us on both the emotional as well as the relational level. As author Peter Scascaro says in his book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, he says, there is no spiritual maturity without emotional maturity. I want you to sit and let that just kind of sink in for a second. There is no spiritual maturity without emotional maturity. In other words, we as mature believers in Christ, we should live in a way that that should be evident in how we both handle our emotions and the way that we relate to one another on an emotional level. Any claim to Christianity which leaves our emotions and behaviors unchanged is at best immature and at worst a counterfeit of the real thing. So there's an illustration that I'd like to think, I'd like us to think through. Not original with us. In fact, it comes from another preacher who did a series on this idea of smoke from a fire. And so emotions are like smoke from a fire. They signal the things that we love or that we desire. And here's the thing. We are created as emotional beings. And so it's necessary for us to at least understand what that smoke is looking at. But there are other illustrations for that as well. Yeah, I mean, I think even with your illustration, the smoke from a fire, like we would never see smoke and just kind of waft it away and say, oh, like someone else will take care of it. Our first thought would hopefully be, where's that coming from? Right, like we're gonna try to figure out the source of that, um, that fire. Another way that I love talking about it is, is said by Lisa Turkhurst. If you're not familiar with her, she's great. She says, feelings are indicators, not dictators. They can indicate where your heart is in the moment, but that doesn't mean that they have the right to dictate your behavior and boss you around. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't like being bossed you, around. You love that, right? Yes, I love like that part. To be bossed around. I got it. Um, but she also goes on to say, you are more than the sum total of your feelings and perfectly capable of that little gift called self-control. That is a fruit of the Spirit. You see that God gives us the answers in his word by saying, hey, you don't have to be ruled by the emotions that you experience, good or bad, but instead you can have these uh, spiritual disciplines and these, uh, and these uh, gifts that the Lord has given us. And so we can practice that self-control. And so when it comes to emotions, we tend to find ourselves um, kind of on a spectrum here. And so there are some people in the room that you experience every emotion very strongly. Some of you are probably smiling right now because that is you. You experience very deep emotions. I see some of you smiling. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's some of you that maybe you're on the other side of the spectrum. And you say, I don't really feel anything at all about anything. And both of those are kind of extreme. And at times, there are our best attempts at trying to protect our heart. When someone says to me, I don't really feel anything, I know from times that we've kind of even talked right. about in our own life that that's just using um, that emotion or that lack of emotion to build a wall because they have been hurt very deeply. And as human beings, we feel because God created us to feel. Mm -hmm. Again, as we've said multiple times. And so we see it in the life of Christ that he also experienced emotion. Let's talk about one example. In the Garden of Gethsemane, we see Jesus wrestling with great sorrow and grief. 
as he approaches the moment where he will give his life for us. Think about that. He's sitting there knowing what is going to happen, and he's filled with grief and sorrow. However, there's another instance in the Bible where Jesus' emotions are on full display. And so, Chuck, do you know the shortest Bible verse that usually everyone quotes? So I think I know it, but I'm going to phone a friend and ask you. What is the shortest Bible verse in, in all of Scripture? Jesus wept. Exactly. John eleven thirty five. That's exactly right. Here's the thing. We could unpack that verse for the next two hours. Because at the end, for all of its grammatical simplicity, it is packed with this unfathomable complexity. And so I want you, in just a couple of illustrations, to step in to the complexity of the emotions that Jesus spent because there are nuances with this little bitty verse. So Jesus wept, speaking with Lazarus' grieving sisters, Mary and Martha, seeing all of the mourners. And we would sit there and say, that is a normal and a great response when you see somebody grieving. Most of us would have wept too. Yet, Jesus had come to raise Lazarus from the dead. And this weeping is going to turn to joy in just the next few minutes. And it reminds us, emotions aren't one-sided. But I'd also, Sarah, say that, man, Jesus wept over the calamity of sin. As, as God the Son had come into the world to destroy the devil's works, Jesus was about to deliver death, its death blow. But sin grieves God deeply. And so do the wages of sin, which are death. And ever since the fall of Adam and Eve, he has watched the horrific destruction that sin has brought in the world. Death had cons has consumed nearly every human being. There's only a couple of examples in Scripture where someone did not die. And yet Lazarus himself is going to die again. And I think tears of anger and longing were mixed with tears of grief. And I think there's even more than that. Yeah, as we were studying this text, we were like, there's so many. And I think Jesus wept over also the cost that he was about to pay to purchase not only Lazarus' short-term resurrection, but his everlasting life. The cross was just days away as we look at scripture and the story unfolding. And no one really knew the inner distress that Jesus was experiencing. And then Lazarus' resurrection that day would look free and be experienced by Lazarus. And everyone would be in awe because he was doing miracles and healing people. That's what Jesus was doing at this time. And everyone else would even see it as a gift of grace. But I want you to understand something. It wasn't free. Jesus was going to die a horrific death to purchase it. And the most horrific part was not the crucifixion. As unimaginable as that alone would have been, he was dreading his, his father's wrath. Jesus, who had never known sin, was about to become Lazarus' sin. Mm -hmm. And the sin of all who had and would believe in him. So that in him, they would all become the righteousness of God. He was looking to the joy that was set before him, but the reality of what lay between was weighing heavily on him. And so he's experiencing all of these emotions. There's so many things that Jesus was experiencing in the death of Lazarus. And yet, we're reminded of this in Psalm 30. It says, for his anger is but for a moment, 
and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. And so what you see is that there's joy and sorrow and anger and all of the emotions that you might experience on a feelings wheel. If you don't know what that is, look it up. Um, you can experience all of those emotions and God understands it mm -hmm. all. We are created to be emotional beings and to embrace our emotional side. We were never meant to stuff, ignore, or even gloss over those deep and powerful feelings that permeate our everyday life. And as we looked at this text, we thought, man, it's so complex and so big and we have so many people in the room, how do we simplify it? And I asked Chuck a question and I said, Chuck, have you seen the movie Inside Out? And I answered, I have not. And 2015, so I said, didn't, didn't watch it then. Go watch it. And he was like, okay, I'll go watch it. And then you gathered some insight with it. Yeah, so I watched it and in this movie, the emotions run wild in a little girl by the name of Riley who's uprooted from her peaceful life in the Midwest and she's moved in San Francisco. She was perfectly content in her life. And her father gets a job and they, a whole family moves across the country. Now, Riley is having to negotiate a new city, attend a new school, and her emotional headquarters has become this bed of activity. And so here's Joy trying to keep Riley feeling happy and positive about the move, but other emotions like fear and anger, disgust and sadness, they make the transition incredibly difficult. So here's your spoiler alert. If you wanna watch the movie, put your fingers in your ears for the next 30 seconds because it's ironic to arrive at the end of the film and realize Joy was actually the problem. So what was Joy doing wrong? While Joy's intention of keeping everybody happy was good, it's not the most appropriate thing to do. And so why were the other emotions unwanted? What do you do when you find things that are unpleasant? What do I do? What do you do, Sierra, when you find things that are unpleasant? We push those things no, away. No, we don't want to deal with them. We put them in a circle. We put them off to the side. And that was the complexity of that kind of gave me at least an illustration of what we really were talking about, what smoke from a fire really is about, and why it's important that we understand the good, the bad, and everything in between. Mm -hmm. And the tension that you can live in both. Yeah. that you can live in the good and the bad. Um, one of my favorite thing, uh, favorite quote of mine is that a lot of people will say, you know what, um, life is hard, but don't worry, God is good. And I've changed my language a little bit to be able to say life is hard and God is good. And those can live in tension with each other. Mm -hmm. And so here's the point of everything that we're talking about today is that God has designed our emotions to live in concert with one another. We need to feel, we need to process those emotions. We need to engage our intellect in scripture to process emotions that really are smoke from a fire. And we need to know what is burning so we can properly respond. And so our hope in doing this series is that you wouldn't shy away from emotions and knowing that there's nothing new under the sun and God's word speaks to every single emotion that anyone might be feeling in this room. So we hope this series will be helpful. We hope that you would take a moment and reflect on the emotions that you're feeling and realizing that God meets you in them. And so tonight we're gonna get to hear a story of someone who's wrestled with emotions and processed them in a healthy way and has surrendered them to the Lord. And so let's welcome up one of our leaders, Sarah, so that she can share her story. 